Monarch, Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. But if you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. Streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. Hold music. You want to avoid it, and so do your customers. So say goodbye to hold music and hello to faster, smarter support with Salesforce. Make service more personal and agents more productive using built-in trusted AI. Then watch costs and wait times drop and satisfaction soar. Support customers in a whole new way with Service GPT. Learn how at salesforce.com slash service GPT. What is going on, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. On today's episode, we have Hiram Garcia here with us. Hiram Garcia is the president of production at Seven Bucks Productions, a passionate photographer and a film and television producer whose films have amassed over $4 billion in box office revenue. A trusted collaborator in the production process to Seven Bucks co-founders, Dwayne Johnson and Danny Garcia. Garcia oversees all production operations from development to release. Some of the films that we talk about in this podcast are Fast and Furious, Hobbs and Shaw, Jumanji, Rampage, Skyscraper, Jungle Cruise, and many, many more. And before we dive into the episode, please take a moment to check out Hiram's new book, The Rock. Through the Lens, His Life, His Movies, and His World. It is a collection of amazing pictures that Hiram has documented throughout their journey. But with that being said, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Please share this episode with a friend, and let's dive into the episode. Okay, what is going on, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. On today's episode, we have Hiram Garcia. Thanks so much for coming on, Hiram. Thank you so much for having me, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So you are the president of the president of production at Seven Bucks Productions, a passionate photographer and a film and television producer whose films have amassed over four billion in box office revenue. And I'm a huge fan of all the films that you guys have been a part of. And I, I think my first question for you, man, is how did you get into the production space and where did that journey in your life begin? You know, well, I was, uh, so coming up, my um, my goal was always, I was always a music person, right? I was a music major. I studied music business and entertainment at the University of Miami, and I thought I was going to be in the record industry. Um, you know, the one thing I knew in life is that I knew whatever I was going to do, I wanted it to be in a creative space. That's always, that's always been my power space is creativity. Um, once I graduated college, I didn't really like the music business. It just didn't resonate with me. I realized right away, unfortunately, I just spent all these years studying for it, but I knew right away it wasn't a fit. And, you know, that's a tough feeling coming straight out of college. You're like, well, what am I going to do? You know, um, not all of us are as, as, as I was telling you, as dialed in as you are, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. Kicking ass. I appreciate I spent a that. lot of years floundering around, but, um, you know, look, creativity was always my space. And I had always worked with, with Dwayne uh, doing stuff for wrestling, wrestling dialogue, it just came easy. And when he got the Scorpion King, 
Um, I was in between trying to figure out what I was doing. I had a job, but I wasn't really happy over there. And he's like, hey, man, listen. He's like, I'm going to go do this. I've never really done this before. You want to come help me out? You can assist me. Let's see how it goes. And so um, never afraid to take a swing. I'm like, yeah, sure, man. I quit my job and just jumped and went to LA to go do Scorpion King at the time. And right away, I'm like, that's what I want to do. I want to be a producer. I have no idea how I'm going to do it. I have no film background, but I know that's what I want to do. Um, and I dedicated myself from that moment on. I think I was about 25 at the time. Wow. I From that moment on, I was like, okay, I need to re- redirect my life towards this. And yeah. the minute I came back from that movie, um, I, uh, I took script writing classes just to learn how to write scripts, how to read it. I started watching everything, every piece of footage I could just to see what movies worked. And more importantly, what movies didn't work and why like what was it that because at the sea at the core of every movie nobody wants to make a bad movie right it's like (laughs) yeah that's not the goal it's it's funny it's like no one's like oh i hope i make a stinker um you know there's a great idea behind everything and then it's the execution or you know lots of factors so really what was it that wasn't that didn't work and you know i started paing i i I, the one thing i also realized was is that if you wanted to be a producer you needed to learn from the ground up and so um i went and i became a production assistant on commercials in miami and i did that for several years and i second ad'd and i first ad'd but really wanted to learn the business business from the bottom up um all while just working on the creative side thinking of film ideas watching movies getting you know getting familiar with that language until i was um felt confident in a place where i could circle back around with dj who was now uh, uh, you know, much further along in his business and feel like I had something I could really offer to him and, and things went great from there. Wow. I love that. I think an important thing you, you touched on was, so he invited you out to LA for a film, yeah. you said, and, and prior to that, you had no experience. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I was just a you know, fan of movies, but I, I didn't take any film writing classes or yeah. script classes or anything like that. Yeah. Like, so you went to the university of Miami, is that correct? Yes. And like when you were there, when it comes to film and production, like I, I, I noticed this as, and I actually talked about this on a previous podcast about like having an opportunity where you could have said no, right? But the fact yeah. that you said yeah. yes and you were open to it and you had an open mind created that opportunity. But I'm curious, like, how did you and DJ meet? Because obviously you said he invited you out to LA. What did that? What does that relationship sure. look like? So I met DJ when I was 15. He's a couple years older than me, um, but he was dating my sister at the time. So they were, uh, you know, they were dating in college. So I had flown out to visit my sister like I usually did. We were very close and I met her new boyfriend at the time. I'm like, Jesus, this dude is big. This is a big (laughs) dude, Uh, you know, but we bonded right over right away over at the time. Um, there was a console back in the day, my friend called the Sega Genesis okay. uh, long ago. And we played NHL hockey on that. Uh, but we were just very similar. We had similar, you know, personalities. We're both Tauruses and and me, him and Danny have always just had a great relationship, friendship, camaraderie. We're both very similar minded in how we approach things. And even though, you know, they got married, they got divorced, they're close friends. She managed them. They opened a business together. We've just always had this trinity of the three of us. And so at that time, because he had always uh, leaned on me for some assistance when it came to wrestling dialogue, he was like, hey, well, let's go do this. I know he's a creative guy. I know he's a fan of movies. Um, and I don't know anyone in that business. It's going to be weird to go out there and just be for however many months to film that movie. It's tough to just go by yourself. So he's like, come along. And and it's very much like you said, there is, there is something to being open, right? Like yeah. when you know that maybe things in life aren't going good, you're not going to get many opportunities. And it's kind of back to that that movie, Yes Man, which I always yeah. kind of like. There Say is yes. a positivity <laughs> in 
protecting yourself, right? Don't do something, but being open to possibilities, like break things up, like change is hard to leave Florida for five months at a time, especially then that's crazy, right? But it's like, I don't know what's going to come, but I'm going to go for it because I know what I'm doing right now. There's not a path. Like I can, I don't feel energy. I don't feel synergy. I'm just dead in the water. I need to change it up. And look, if it fails, great. I'll come back. I'll find another job, but this might be to something. And it yeah. actually ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me. That is so cool, man. And it's, it's something too. Like I, I relate to that so much because when I was 15, I was almost paralyzed playing football and I was in a neck brace for six weeks. And sure. I, I started my social media journey, started building a brand and, and it was saying yes to an event that my buddy was hosting in, in Los Angeles. And I'm a, from a small town in Virginia. And, and I said, yes. And it's yeah. that opportunity that opened up every door. And then the domino effect started happening. Yeah. But I, I'd love to talk about that. You know, you, you decide to go out to LA, you say yes to this yeah. opportunity. What did the next year, two, three years look like from that point? Because I'm assuming you were out of college then, correct? Sure. Yeah, I was out of college. Um, so it's bumpy, right? Because it's you don't really know the path. And so, and and that's the one of the things I love about the entertainment business in general is that there's not a traditional pipeline, right? You'd like to say, oh, you go to school and you study this, and then you go. It's not like that. Like, there's a million points of entry into the entertainment business. And at the foundation of it is just grind, right? It's like grind and work ethic and willing to put yourself on the line. So I immediately came back and, um, you know, when you're not used to the business, it, it messes with your head because for that period of five months, you're in this unbelievable world of like (laughs) film and entertainment and movie stars. And you're like, Oh my God. And then it's just stops the movie wraps. And now you're like back to regular world. And it's, it's an adjustment where it kind of messes with you psychologically because one of the things with the film business too is it's not just steady work. Like you work for work, right? So it's like you have a job yeah. until the job is done and then you're unemployed until you get another job. So it's very much you you have to build a reputation. So when I came back and I kind of realized that, I'm like, well, what do I need to do to start giving myself a chance to a very difficult dream? And that was when I said, well, look, let me just at least start and let me enroll in some classes and just learn how do you write a script? How do you yeah. read a script? Like, what do you do with script stuff? Um, I, I, then I went, you know, DJ had gotten another movie. I worked with him on that movie. Um, it was a movie called walking tall. And I realized that as much as it was nice to, to work with him in a system at that point, I wasn't learning anything because he was learning about the business yeah. and he was in a position where everything was just coming to him cooked. And I realized I need to break away from this and I need to get right into the bottom and I need to just start as a PA um, my first job I offered, I worked for free in Miami. Wow. I'm like, listen, just give me a shot. Um, you know, just give me a shot. I'll show you I have a work ethic. But it gave me an ability to learn about the film business, film language, culture, set etiquette, like all the things that you kind of, I wasn't experienced over there. And then you're, you know, in commercials, I had the opportunity to do a little bit of stuff I typically wouldn't do, I think, in film as a PA. Yeah. <laughs> but I did that for several years and that really started to just give me production experience. Yeah. And then from there I was start to parlay into something, but that whole journey, man, is coming home to no power sometimes, no water, um, yeah. because you may not have a job. You know, there's a downtime in Florida and there's a, there's a time <laughs> where there's commercials. So yeah. I, I mean, my friends laugh. I remember coming home and there'd be times where I'd come home. I'd be like, I'm, I'm on the phone and I come in and there's no power in the house. And I'm like, well, and I'm like, it's like 7 PM. Wow. I'm, like, well, I'm going to go to sleep because I got nothing else I can do and I'll have to try and figure it out tomorrow if I can get the power turned back on. Wow. And that were, those were the challenges of it, but um, but it makes you appreciate where you are, you know, when you do start to achieve some success because you've been on the other side, you know? Absolutely. And 
Speaking of success, you guys have made some really hit movies, anything from Fast oh, and Furious to, you, to Jumanji to Rampage to Skyscraper. And all these films, one thing that I see they have in common is just massive success, right? Like you Thank hear, you, you can hear a good song and then you hear a great song and it's there for decades. And that's what I believe you guys create all the time. And with that Thank being you. said, what do you think creates a blockbuster film that has longevity because there's dozens of movies, right? That come, they do great. Then no one watches them and they're not topics and conversations, but you guys have a great track record of having these big movies and you guys are the best in the game at it. So what, what do you think creates a successful film? Well, look, I, I think you want to start with just global storytelling, right? You want to start with stories that resonate globally, right? You know, I think there's, there's, and there's all kinds of, storytelling you can do, but you know, we really like to focus on storytelling that that crosses borders, right? That that is a universal kind of a story foundation, whatever it is, something that yep. everyone can relate, no matter what country you are in. And then I think on top of it, we like to tell stories that make people feel good. I mean, I think look, there's so many filmmakers out there and there's some people who like to challenge uh, audiences emotions that like to, you know, when you leave, maybe you feel conflicted, maybe you feel a little bit dark. Um, I like that stuff, but that's not the kind of stories we want to tell. Ultimately, we hope that we understand that, you know, whatever's going on in life more than ever now, right? Like life is hard. Yeah. And sometimes people look to theatrical, they look to stories for a bit of escapism, some wish fulfillment. You just want to feel good because whatever it is, you're probably going to have to go back to some challenges because life isn't easy. Um, so for us, we, you know, global stories and stories that ultimately are going to make people feel good at the end of the day. You know, we, we you know, I remember, and I'll tell you a perfect example. Um, I made a movie called Rampage yep. a couple of years ago, a big, you know, monster movie based on the video games. And there was a really big debate uh, where, and it's a little bit of an old school Hollywood thing, but at the end of the movie, the studio wanted the gorilla, George the gorilla, who was like the hero character in our movie to die. And I remember getting the script and right away being like, there's no way that seven bucks can make a movie where George, this gorilla dies because he's so beloved. Like people are going to yeah. love him. He's fun. He's no one like those, that stuff of King Kong back in the day. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> but who feels good at the end of the day when Kong is dead? Like it breaks your heart. And, yeah. and as an animal lover, I just remember right away, you know, talking to DJ about it and then Danny being like, there's no version of us letting George look, we'll play with it and we can do something in a misdirect and you think, and then we, but the audience isn't going to leave happy with that. And, and I, you look, we, we won, obviously if you saw the movie, uh, spoiler alerts, but he doesn't, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I think that's one of those things where the audience leaves happy. And I think it's just keeping your audience in mind because they want to have fun and who wants to leave feeling like this character they just fell in love with is gone. It's a simple thing. Um, but I think it goes a long way because at least, you know, if you're coming to see a seven bucks movie, if you're coming to see a Dwayne Johnson movie, you're going to have fun. It's going to be some craziness in it, but you're going to leave feeling good. And, and that's a big, a very important thing for us to deliver. on. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to hear about even, you know, some of the, I know we talked briefly before we, um, started this podcast is some of the films that you guys are working on now that you can talk sure. about, but most importantly, like what is your day to day when you guys are filming? Because everyone sees the finished product, right? And no one gets sure. to see the, in the weeds or gets to hear the stories, but you know, that I think that's an important topic to talk about because it's, I'm sure it's a completely different world than what people would expect. <laughs> Well, sure. You know, well, um, so right now we're currently filming, we're finishing up a movie called Red Notice that we're shooting for Netflix that is really uh, excited about. A lot of fun. It's DJ, it's Ryan Reynolds, it's Gal Gadot. 
um, kind of a big international globe-trotting kind of a uh, you know uh, uh, cops and heists and so <laughs> forth kind of vibe. Just a lot of fun um, that we're doing for Netflix. It's going great. And then coming up next next year, sometime first quarter, we'll jump into you know our baby, which is our Black Adam movie, which is our big foray into the superhero world, and we get to yep. introduce the 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 Justice Society of America to the world and really come and shake up the DC universe. So. Um, we have that, we have a TV show getting ready to film in Australia right now called young rock. That's based on DJ's life as a child. And that's a big NBC show that'll air in January. Um, that is going to be awesome. And I think, you know, especially it's going to, I think all fans will like it, but I also think, you know, um, fanboys will like it because there's going to be some cool elements from days of wrestling and so forth that I think people are going to have a lot of fun with. So, uh, and look, you know, a typical day, it's crazy because, you know, say for example, if, if, you know, on red notice, so producing this movie, but while producing this movie, also running a production company and overseeing a TV show that's getting ready (laughs) to launch in Australia and what other, other stuff that we may have going that we haven't announced yet. You know, it's, it's juggling a bunch of things and it's keeping everything moving, um, you know, as a producer, just when you're wearing that hat, you know, part of being a producer is you have a million projects ready to go because obviously, yep. um, you know, you're you're working while you have a job, and then the minute that job's done, you're you're looking for the next thing that yep. you're working on. So you're kind of pushing several boulders up a very big hill, and every day you push one at a time, just a little bit further, a little bit further, and hopefully one picks up a little bit steam, and you can push it further. But, you know, you're doing that, you're overseeing the production, making things go well, because there's a ton of moving parts when you have a crew of 300 people and you have actors and you're shooting on stages and scenes are adjusting and, yeah. and dialogue is changing and logistics and the camera's down and what's shooting next week. And, you know, it's so much stuff, but but that comes with, you know, a big part of that too, is just having great people around you because it's it's never a one-man job. You have yeah. a great team, you have a great crew. Uh, you know, our, our company, Seven Bucks, has a, a, a great team around them that, multiple brains um always leads to something better you know and so um it's it's a crazy day the days go by fast yeah. uh sometimes you wake up and you're like oh my god this is going to be an insane day <laughs> and sometimes you don't even see it coming yep uh but but at the end of the day um you know it's one of the things dj love it you know i love do love to do is we do like to just take moments and just be like man we're very fortunate yeah. like we, we we we've grinded really hard um we're so fortunate we have it and we know that it can leave in a heartbeat. So yeah. I think that's kind of the reason why we work so hard is because we do tend to work like there is no tomorrow. Um, and I think that because we remember what it was like beforehand and what the grind was like. So I think that keeps you humbled and keeps you focused. Yeah, no, I love that. And I know that's something DJ talks about all the time is just leadership. And I he always yeah. talks about that on his social media. And, and I want to touch on that because I believe you as well. You guys have done so well as at building brands, not only in a movie and, and capturing attention there, but having some of the biggest social media presence and just culture. And like you said, fanboys. And I want to talk about that because you guys have, like I said, done that so well. And what do you think creates that culture that you guys have created when it comes to the type of films you put out and the type of fans that you guys have? Like, How have you guys been able to build such an incredible culture when, with inside your organization that also flows into the world as well? You know, I think authenticity, you know, when, when, no matter what the project is, no matter what we're doing, we've never taken, taken a job or taken um, a project that someone isn't truly vested in, someone just truly loves. And look, every swing 
isn't going to be perfect, right? You yep. know, it's like you try your best, you know, Baywatch, we wanted Baywatch to be something <laughs> more than it was. It didn't work out the same way, but we believed in the project, you know, and, and I think all of our projects, and I think it's, it's why things resonate so well. DJ has never promoted or gotten behind things that he doesn't truly love, feel, have a connection with. You know, the reason why we did, you know, we were, he was an ambassador with Ford was because he loves Ford trucks. You know, <laughs> yep. it's like, he was drinking Voss water before he started working with Voss. He was using Under Armour. You know, it's not like, oh, hey, I'm going to just start using this because they want me. Everything, he made Terramana tequila because he loves tequila. Like he's truly a tequila aficionado. And because of that knowledge, he was able to make a really special tequila. Like it's a tequila that is stands out among the rest, but that's because there's a true authenticity there. There's a real care there. And so We've always had that. There's a lot of times where I'll, you know, I'll find a project and I'll round up the team and the project may be on the line. And I'll just be very clear. Is there someone here who will like is all about this project that loves it? Because you got to have at least one person yep. who is truly connected to it, because otherwise you start to lose authenticity. Now yeah. you're just churning out material, but there's no emotional connection. And I think audiences may not articulate it, but you can feel when it's a project that's just, uh, that's just a job. That's just, yeah. uh, that's just maybe a, a quick hope that maybe there's a payday there. And I think that's something we've always stayed away from. We always want to maintain that authenticity. And I think that's why fans gravitate towards DJ. I think that's why his social media is so good because again, he's doing, he's got 200 million followers on Instagram <laughs> and he runs his Instagram. There's not a team who's running his Instagram. Wow. There's not like a, 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 a digital person like, he runs his Instagram and that's a lot. And, and I think that's the difference between, you know, him and maybe some other celebrities there and why fans are really drawn to it because you can tell, Oh, this is the real deal. This is him yeah. doing it. And I think that level of authenticity will always cut through the noise. I love that. Um, I know that it, it says that you obviously love getting behind the camera as well. And you're sure. an ambassador for Leica. I'd love to talk, talk on that because you're, photography yeah. and your photos have been seen worldwide and they're just, they stand for something. And I'd love to talk about what got you into being so passionate about being behind the camera yourself and how that even blossomed to begin with. Thank you. Um, you know, I've, I've always just loved photography. I've always found myself, uh, you know, a, a powerful image would always just still me, right? Like if for something about it would resonate with me. And I'd really admire the ability to take one shot and whatever that shot is to just kind of, it almost knocks you out of your feet right there. Like you just get lost in the moment. Um, and it's something I always really liked. Uh, I wasn't able to pursue as much as I wanted to. And then a, a time came actually right at the, you know, right before Baywatch started, I made a conscious effort. I said, you know, I knew that year was going to be a crazy run. We had, um, it was going to be our crazy, one of our craziest years we ever had where we were shooting ballers that wow. it was going to overlap into um, Baywatch, which was going to overlap into Fast and Furious 8, oh which was goodness. going to overlap into Jumanji, uh, Welcome to the Jungle, all in a row. That's insane. And I was like, look, this is going to be an insane <laughs> year, um, but there's going to be some unbelievable stuff and unbelievable memories. I want to capture these because I'm going to be away from my family for a long time. I want to have something that I can share with them that I can keep for myself and that I can give with DJ so that we can hold on to these memories. and. In that run of movies, the responses I was getting from my photography um, really started to shift my perception of it. And we were able to use it for the digital campaigns of these movies and um, maybe love it even more. And look, when, when you do these projects, 
like I was talking about, the dance is, it's, there's a ton of creative partners, right? There's a lot yeah. of ideas. You're making sure you're making the studio happy, the director, your producers, your actors. There's something nice and clean about photography where it's one of the outlets where it's just me, right? It's yeah. like my creative interpretation. It's just art. It's me seeing a scene and I'm going to capture an image and then portray how I saw it in my head. And I like that outlet, you know, as a creative person, you like to have a little bit of an outlet and be able to have a, a, a way to kind of showcase sometimes how you see life, how you see the world. So um, it's, it just is, I, I found it to be something really relaxing for my mind. It's good for my mind. And when you're on these crazy locations and you've actually had that one little moment where things are calm, like sets running smooth, the dialogue is dialed <laughs> in, and now you're just watching it's nice for you to be able to go and just capture some scenes and a yeah. little bit of behind the scenes where it's a look that, you know, I'm privileged to get because as a producer of the movie, I can, I have access to, to moments and relationships that a lot of people don't. And it's something I can always hold on to. And then I love to share it with actors and cast and then potentially for the movie to help shape our narrative. Yeah. I love that. And I, I think speaking on that too, your book, the rock through the lens, his life, his movies, his world, um, this is new. This is a new project that I, I know you recently put out. I'd love for you yeah. to give me some information on this and what it means to you. Sure. Well, it's, it, it was an incredible process and, and I was um, still kind of shocked that I was able to put a book together and, you know, it all started where I wanted to, uh, I wanted, so I had to give a gift to DJ and, and in case you couldn't imagine giving a gift to the biggest <laughs> movie star in the world is very hard. Like, yeah. What's your what thought you process there? <laughs> you know, gift certificate to Arby's, like, you know, what do, what do you do? So um, I was, I said, you know what, let me go pull one of these images. Maybe I've taken over the years and print them something. And as I was doing it, I hadn't, I hadn't really had a chance to just look through all these photographs. And in the process, I said, you know what, let me just put together this whole big lookbook. And I just sat with him and we just kind of had a blast flipping through years and years of memories. And coming out of that, we were like, you know what? I think there's something here. I think there's a story here to share with the fans they may like. There's a lot of crazy stories behind these images. There's a lot of images they've never seen. Um, feels like there could be something fun with it. And then I just ran with it. You know, I ran with it. I found a great partner in St. Martin's um, and was just really happy with how it came out. It was a really fun experience to go through the book, pull these images, and just to take the journey through these images and remember a lot of those moments that haven't had a chance to reflect back on. And, and um, I'm, I'm grateful for it and really happy with how the book came out. I love that. Speaking on reflecting, like as you look back along your career, like what are some of the sure. lessons that you've learned that you'd want to give to a young entrepreneur today about business and team culture and just not only success itself, but you've seen a lot of things and you guys are on like sure. top of the production game. And there's, there's things that you've experienced that everyone can learn from at a foundational level. So I'd love to ask you, like, what are the foundations of success in your opinion and why? Um, well, look, it's a good question. There's a couple things. And, and I think depending on, on what it is, but first off, I think it all starts with just work, right? It's, 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 um, it's, it's putting in the work. It's something that, you know, I really learned from DJ and, and, and from Danny, and it's just the power of doing the work and things will come. Um, I think when you put in the work, uh, you'll, you'll start to achieve what you want, but also realizing it's never going to be an easy path. You are going to get knocked down. You are going to get set back. Um, and you have to just be able to be resilient and push through it. It's like, it, it's, it's, I found for me that it was when you thought everything was at its worst, when I pushed through that is was was when I first started to see a, just a little glimmer 
of light through it. Because um, look, and I think when you're when you're trying to achieve big success, behind big success is big dreams, and and not everyone shares those kinds of ambitions. So not everyone is going to understand or be able to support that level of a dream, and they're going to want to tap out soon. Uh, and you may have experienced this. I know I did. There were times where you know I had you know friends or family being like, "Hey, man, I don't know if." I don't know if this producing dream is going to work out. Like, I think you may have to come back to reality and get a regular job or whatever wow. they would say. And you got to understand that. And, and this isn't on them. No one, no one will understand the dream like you will. No one will understand your drive like you will. So one of the biggest things I like to say is no matter what your dream is, no matter if you want to be, you know, whatever kind of crazy ambition you have, no one can ever end your dream except for you. Like, it's fun. There's going to be a time where some people are like, you know what? Like, and look, I use Dwayne as an example. He, his dream was to be a football player. Yeah. He was the one who had to decide, you know what? Football, that football dream isn't right for me. And then he pivoted, moved to wrestling and look where he is now. There, yeah. there is the possibility that your dream you're pursuing is wrong. But at the end of the day, no one can stop you from your dream it has to be you. You're the one who calls it when you do it. Because if you don't, if you let allow someone else to make that decision for you, you'll never be at peace. Yeah. Like, and then you won't be able to move on and do a new path. But, but ultimately, it's always going to be on you. Pursue the dream. Do it as much as you want. Only you will understand. And then if you do reach that point where you're like, you know what, maybe maybe I'm going down the wrong path. Just make sure it's you who calls makes that decision no yeah. one else um because that's the best way that then you'll pivot and you'll find yourself on the right path that'll lead to something else i love that and i know you spoke about uh just loving music and that was your dream yeah. to begin with when did you know that you had to make that pivot oh well it's funny i was fortunate it was right away so <laughs> <laughs> and that's like, a blessing you know, I, I had come up as you know i was a i was a musician my whole life i was a trumpet player okay and, um, uh, and so as I got into, as I started to, you know, I graduated and I started to intern and I realized that my tastes completely did not align with the public's taste. Like what yeah. was number one on the billboard? <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is the worst. And then I just realized, I had to be re real. I'm like, how am I going to succeed when I don't know what the people like? Right. Like, and I think that's a very big thing. And I think that's attached to the film industry too. I tell a lot of people this, it's a basic thing, but, but if you find yourself not in sync, not saying that you have to feel it's the best, but if you don't truly get like why Avengers is the highest grossing movie of all time. If you're yeah. like, this movie's trash, well, it's not going to be good for you because right now you're not in alignment with the public. Okay? You want to be in alignment if you're in a business of like creating content for people and so forth. You want to be in alignment with them. And so for me, I knew right away I was not in alignment with the public. What the public liked, the majority liked for music that was, that was going to be a big success, I did not agree with it. And that's what, you know, right away, I just knew this wasn't a good fit, but I did realize right away with film, what I thought was good and what I thought was, should be a big success was a big success. And I realized at least I had that foundation of, I understood, I had a good finger on the pulse of the public. And I think that was a, a big foundation for me to start to grow on because I was always in alignment with them. And like every now and then there's a movie where you're like, I don't understand why that's doing well. And it drives me crazy. I'm yeah. like, why don't I understand <laughs> and why? And, and you really try and analyze it because you know they're 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 the huge reason of our success. You know, we always say our, our number one boss is the fans, right? Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and 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 the public. So you always want to be in line with them. You always want to listen to them. Um, because we're able to do what we do because of them. We owe it all to them. So yeah. being in, in lockstep with them is key. And that's something I always take very serious. And, 
and um, and always want to make sure I maintain. Yeah, I love that. Do you have any project in film that you guys have that you've worked on in particular that stands out to you when it comes to you know I wouldn't say your favorite film that's a hard question but something sure, that sure. you are I would say the most fulfilled about a certain film and most importantly why because I think it's something like you talked about earlier right some people have that attachment and drive to a particular film and I wanted to ask you if you have one in particular. You know, it's a good question. We have, you know, there's a couple projects that really love, right? And, and very proud of. Um, look, the, the Hobbs and Shaw and the character of Hobbs is something always very special. You know, Hobbs, when when we all circled back around together, um, that was, it, it's always marked the beginning of our journey because after kind of being away and doing production assisting and, and when me and Dwayne started working together again, that first summer we created the character of Hobbes. So Hobbes will wow. always be a very special character to me because even back then when we created him, we had ambitions to one day, we like this guy so much, we want to hopefully spin him off. So to have come yep. full circle and be able to have made that Hobbes and Shaw movie and and see where Hobbes had grown to was, was really rewarding. Um, Love the Jumanji movies, but we're in a place too where a lot of our long long-term babies that we've really been developing now are coming to, coming to fruition. So the Black Adam movie has been something that's been in the works for years. And as just a big comic book nerd fan, like one of my biggest dreams always was to yeah. make like a superhero movie. Um, so really excited about that. There's a ton of love and, and heart that's been invested in that. We have a great team around it. Um, but like you said, it's hard because they're all your babies. But I, at this time, I'd say probably, you know, the, the, the Hobbs, uh, and just being part of the Fast and Furious world, it yeah. really stands out. And then obviously Jumanji. Um, and then Jungle Cruise, which is coming out uh, next year, was probably one of the greatest experiences of our life of working with DJ and Emily Blunt and Jack Whitehall. And, and to be able to make a movie for Disney uh, based on a, a legendary ride was um, really rewarding. Love that. Uh, I have two more quick questions before we wrap up. Sure. And, and one of them is, when you look at the future landscape of film and movie theaters and how that's shifted, especially over the last eight to nine months with everything that's happened, what's your, not only predictions, but where do you see the film and movie business long-term with all these transitioning to streaming and how movie theaters, you know, it was, they were shut down for a while. And I'm sure you sure, guys sure. felt that just like, what, what are you guys anticipating and what should the fans and audience members expect and look forward to in the future? Yeah, look, I, I think the I think the pandemic just fast tracked some things that were already happening. I mean, the the theatrical business was already changing. The P, you know, the theatrical business isn't leaving, right? It's like it's evolving, and I yep. think ultimately there's a there's a love for theater. People like going to the theater. They love the communal experience. Going to the theater to watch a horror movie is a classic experience, yeah. right? Going to the theater to watch a big action tentpole movie. It is a fun classic experience. I think what's been happening is I think just theatrical has evolved in terms of what audiences ultimately feel is worth seeing in a theater. And it's always been changing that way. So as content makers, it's not a bad thing. It just means you pivot because it's not saying that people want to see stuff less. It just means that people, there's certain kinds of projects that people want to watch at home on streaming. And there's certain projects that people are like, no, but I want to see this in the theater. I want to see, you know, I want to see Black Adam on the big screen, yep. giant effects, sound effects. I want to enjoy that with fans. I want to see this horror movie with my friends and everyone scream and laugh and have fun <laughs> on Halloween. Like that stuff exists. So as content makers, you just want to start to prioritize and go, okay, this is theatrical worthy, right? This is the kind of project that we know fans feel will be worthy of them going to the theater, watching it. Um, and then this is the kind of content that's going to be more appropriate for a streaming device or for PVOD, for people to want to watch at home. Um, 
ultimately people still want content. They want content more than ever. I think just as content makers, you just want to be able to pivot with the industry. But I don't think that theatrical is going away or anything like that. I just think it's evolving. And I think the model is evolving too, in terms of how long it lives in theater and then how fast it goes to pivot at home or yeah. something like that. We just need to stay on our toes. But I think the key is, is just listen to the fans. And obviously with everything going on with the pandemic, things are a little rocky right now, but things will return to normal at some point and totally. people will want to go back out and be able to go to theaters. And there's a way to do it. It's just, you just have to pay attention, hear what they want, but there's going to be an outlet for all of it. I love that. And I appreciate the insight as well. Last question before we wrap up. And that is just looking forward. What are you most excited about when it comes to the films that you guys have and what should the fans expect over the next year from you guys? Um, well, look, I'm really excited to get into the DC universe, right? I think that yeah, is, a, I'm excited a for that too, man. <laughs> that's been a big priority for us. We are going to, uh, shake shit up in the DC universe. A any hints we can get, or what does that look like? <laughs> well, look, I'm just saying when you, uh, inject a force of nature, like black Adam into the DC universe, it completely readjusts the hierarchy of power yeah. in that world, because he is powerful and he uh, does not pull his punches. And then on top of it, we get to introduce the Justice Society, this entire new team with some legendary and beloved characters. So to be able to become a part of the DC universe, really shake it up. Um, we're so excited about that. We've been working so hard on it. So we're really looking forward to that. We're really excited to release our, our Disney movie, Jungle Cruise, that's based on the on the Disney ride. Um, you know, the delays because of COVID and so forth have, have made us push it off a little bit, but it's just a big, fun four quad movie. They don't really make movies like that anymore. So we're really excited to introduce that to the world and let people see Dwayne and Emily together. And, and the one last thing I'll say is, I think next year um, in January, our uh, NBC sitcom Young Rock comes out, which yep. I think people are going to really love. And especially if you're fans of DJ, it tracks DJ's life growing up. Um, and it awesome. touches on some really cool places uh, and aspects of his life that are going to really appeal to like football fans, college yep. football fans, wrestling fans. Like there's little tastes of everything that I think people are going to get fired up about. And we're starting to film it now. And cool. um, we have huge ambitions for that. So yeah, I think there's a lot of great that. stuff coming and we're just going to keep making it. I appreciate it, man. Well, Hiram, thank you so much for coming on the show where is the best place for the fans and everyone listening to stay up to date with the films that are coming out and just more importantly to stay in touch with you sure uh well thank you so much for having me on and look you can always um you know follow me at hhgarcia41 on instagram and twitter and also check out sevenbucks.com but uh and also you know if you follow the rock i think uh, you're gonna have a good idea of what's going on totally but, uh, man this was a lot of fun and i really appreciate you having me on and i'm really uh appreciate what you've been doing man you're impressive and uh god i wish i knew at my age i was as dialed in as you buddy <laughs> i appreciate um, it you're on top of it and uh and you're killing it buddy so thank you for this thank you Monarch, Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. If you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. Streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. Plus.